Welcome to episode 101 of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. It's actually been a long milestone to hit episode 100. <laughs> Do you think we will maybe hit the milestone of 200 at some point? Only if the government bails us out. <laughs> <laughs> Jem, you need some of that sweet, sweet cash. I need some of that uh, small business bailout money. <laughs> yeah, but definitely uh, it's kind of exciting to be released the episode 100. And for this episode, we all focus a lot of our time on engineering work for large companies. But we've always, you know, there's always been side projects or things that we've worked on throughout our careers. And so we thought it'd be in this episode, it'd be really cool to share some details about some of our side projects that we've done in the past. Before we get started, let's go around and give introductions of today's panelists. Augustus, you want to start off? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name's Augustus. I'm a software engineer at Twitch. Jim Young, senior software engineer at Netflix. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. So only the three of us today. This will be fun. <laughs> All right. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we love to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the podcast, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Personal. 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 Awesome. All right. So if we say the word personal, which I'm sure we will, we will all take a drink. To start off, I'm really interested and curious uh, to hear each of your side projects that you've done in the past. I'm sure there's been a few, and I'd love to kind of hear some of the things that you've each done. And I, I can say this topic came up with uh, from our previous episode where we did a Twitch live stream. One of our listeners asked, hey, y'all talk about corporate programming all the time because y'all work at large corporations. Do you ever do personal side projects anymore? And uh, Cheers. Like, cheers. It's a good topic. Uh, let's see done a few in the past or i've done many in the past obviously uh yeah one show me an engineer who is pretty senior and like who's never done a side project and like it just doesn't happen like i think to get where you are you have to do some sort of work on the side it's just the nature of being a good software engineer i feel like that's how i learned like that's really how i truly learned it was constantly trying to solve some sort of a problem that i was really excited to do and build and, and I found like I learned a lot by doing that. You can read and learn, but I feel like actually applying it um, is where I excelled to learn really quickly. Yeah, I agree. I find that when you work and just for your job, you're so focused on the problem and just maybe shipping, like how do you ship it out to users? But the nice thing about side projects is you can really focus more on the learning aspect of, oh, this is what I ideally want to build. And even if it's, even if, it doesn't solve anything. It's like exciting because maybe you might choose a random new technology like, oh, I want to learn Vue this time or something. It's just really nice. You have a lot more freedom. And also you can cut corners. It does. You're like, <laughs> ah, whatever. It's, it's my project. I'm going to do what I want. Write tests if you want. Comment your code if you want. You should always comment your code. I've heard Jem say that. I do comment my code because looking at my GitHub repo from years ago and some of my projects, I'm glad I commented my code because I have no idea what I was doing at the time. And the comments, I'm like, oh, okay, I can make a quick change here if I need to, because I commented my code. So I'm guilty. I got to say on my side projects, I have not applied the best practices sometimes. And it has, that commenting is seriously, it has bitten me in the ass a few times because you're right. You might want to make a change to something and, and you're like, I'll just quickly go do that. But when you haven't made those comments, it, it becomes really difficult and it becomes a bigger chore to try and make that change. So 
I'm with you, Jem. I should take that advice more often. <laughs> I'll say this, and it's controversial for those listening in the car or at home. I would comment my code before I wrote tests. If you're asking me, like, which one is more valuable for personal projects, commenting code. Like, I almost I almost never write tests for my personal projects. Like, I, I don't care. I know, it's bad practice, blah, 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 blah. But that there, there's no stakes. So, unless I was doing something for money. At that point, it'd be more of a side hustle, not a personal project. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like a lot of people are really obsessed with test-driven development or really let's write up, write the tests up front first and then you know, have 100% code coverage or all, all these things. But especially for side projects, you know, just, just build what you want. Like build the damn thing. <laughs> like build what you want. Yeah, don't even get me started on the like 100% test oh, coverage. Yeah. <laughs> like... I don't believe that. I mean, I don't think you can do it. No, I don't. I don't think fools, such, Aaron. Yeah, I don't think there's such thing as 100 percent test coverage. Like, there, if that's the case, then you never have bugs. And if that's the case, I don't know. There's no. There's no case where there's no bugs. Like, it, yeah, yeah, it doesn't happen. Before we get into like the the projects we've been working on, I'll say like a failure that I see, and I think what discourages a lot of new people is they're like, oh, I want to build something. I want to build a quick game website on my own. You ask for advice on Twitter, and people are like, well, what you need is React Starter Kit. You need Netlify. You need every WizBang. You need Apache. You need, you need like your own server. You need like a, a million things to get started. And I'm like, no, start with an HTML page and a script tag and like see where you go. And if you need that sort of thing, cool. But if you look at most of the work that I've done in the past for my side projects, they're like minimum, minimum, like maybe Node almost never a framework it, it's just like hassle and it, if i'm doing that i'm not learning anything it's different if you're trying to learn react or Vue or angular or something like that but i really think side projects for like exploration just like freeform like art as you can make it and if you get too hung up on like the precision and tests and like the right framework and all these things then you're kind of doing yourself a disservice a bit using the frameworks great or using node or some other language that you're like, I'm just kind of curious about learning it, or this will do the job really well. Absolutely. But I agree with you is that people get hung up too much on getting all the things like, Oh, I got to make sure web pack is configured. I've got to make sure that all these different build tasks are happening. To your point, Jem, like maybe just writing some vanilla JavaScript in a script tag might actually do, do, do just what you need for that project. I think another one that I always hear too is, especially when people are trying to learn something, it's like, well, what can I create? That's already been created. I'm always like, go create another Facebook. Like, honestly, you'll learn lots. Like if that's something that you want to do is create another social network or a game or something like that. That's a great way to learn is like recreating something um, from scratch. Yeah, plus 1000 to that. I felt like I had that kind of same mentality where, I say, oh, this sounds like a good idea. Oh, but that's already done. Like, I guess the world doesn't need it. And it's like, don't don't think of everything you want to build as something that needs to solve a problem that everyone has necessarily. I mean, those are good problems to solve, I guess. But, you know, just do it f even for learning for your own sake is like a really beneficial side project. I always like doing projects or something that will make my life better and like, or easier. Like some of, when I think of building like a tool or command line tool, script, plugin, library, something that I'm creating is like, Hey, this helped me in just the smallest, slightest way to be more productive or just shave off some time, whatever it is. 
if I throw it up on GitHub and like one or two people find it useful, great. If not, who cares? It made my life easier and that's all that matters. And, and it was cool to create. Like that's kind of the way I look at it. But yeah, I want to hear the past projects that you've all worked on. I think I know of two that I worked on, but it's embarrassing because they're not that big. But they're, I, I don't know. I guess I'm proud of them. Proud of it, proud of them enough that I would pin them on my GitHub um, with zero stars or whatever. But uh, uh, so one project I worked on was it's called Konami Commando. It's on npm, and literally all it is is uh, there's this thing called the Konami code, and I forgot what game did it, but there's a lot of games that have this secret code. This is this Contra like is the big one. Oh, con- yeah. Con- yeah. So. Yeah, so there's this code, it's like up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA or something. And I saw a lot of games do it, and I thought it'd be cool if it'd be like there's just this cool NPM package that you could just install onto your website, and then you could just have this very convenient handler that said when this chain of commands was was done, then it would just do something. And so I just published it to NPM one day, so... So I, I don't That's know. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, was, I love it. Yeah, th- this was like when I was like super new to npm in general. I was like, oh wow, there's a whole package manager, and so I just thought it'd be a cool thing to do. But even that, like learning how to publish uh, your own package, like that's not something that you're regularly doing in your day-to-day job, maybe, but not always. So that's like you learned how to do that, which is really cool. Yeah. And it's awesome because when you open source your side projects, it's it's actually pretty surprising how many people might stumble on it. Like I wrote that like years ago and then, well, a few years ago, but more years than when it started someone came and said hey uh it's kind of interesting that you have jquery as a dependency for this when it literally like requires no jquery whatsoever i was like (laughs) oh that's a really good point you know so it's just like those small things you learn that just over time you know when you first started it almost felt like it was like a time machine I like, ah, yeah. I remember when I needed jQuery <laughs> to actually code or, or something like that. I don't know. Jam, so. any projects that come to mind? Oh, man. I'm just, uh, I just went on my GitHub to see where everything at. I, I do love GitHub for that because mm-hmm. I don't remember what I worked on. Um, which one did I? Oh, one of my favorites was uh, it was for a conference in Sweden called Nordic.js. And I was the final speaker. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna try like a project this time. I want, I want to, I want something really impressive that people are gonna be like, wow, this is pretty cool. Uh, and actually built most of it on a train from London uh, to Edinburgh. I was like, you know, I've always wanted to mess with web Bluetooth. Never done anything with that. I want to do something with um, reactive programming, so I want to use RxJS. And I just love WebSockets. To this day, I still love WebSockets. They're just like. They're awesome. They're real-time pipes, and you can do whatever you want with it. It's just such a cool technology. That's awesome. But I was like, I don't know enough about this stuff. So let me put together a project that does all these things. So what I did was I connected a heart rate monitor to uh, my computer via Bluetooth, web Bluetooth. Uh, And then I connected that to a web server serving out my heart rate over, like, intervals. And I'm using RxJS to control the intervals properly. I send that down to the client. So all the everybody in the audience, like I say, like, hey, go to this website. Just like, just wait, something will happen. So everybody's connected to the website, connect to the server, uh, and then I'm like, if you ever wonder what it's like to give a presentation 
live on stage, like what your heart rate is. Here you go. So I turned it on and it sent my heart rate through the, through, uh, through a website out to everybody's phones. And then I used the vibration API, which I didn't know existed until I was like, huh, I wonder if I could do this vibration API on the phone to vibrate the phone to my heart rate. And like trying to get that all synced up properly with the animation on screen was like so much more work than I thought. But when it worked and it did work, it was just, it was fantastic. Cause it was like so many different technologies that I've never done before. And just like, not that useful in real life, but as a proof of concept, it was just amazing. I learned so much, much more than if I had just read a blog post or something like that. Yeah. I think even in that scenario, you're right. Like there's not, maybe there's a real world use case there, but it was just like a cool concept and also could be inspiring for someone like not even realizing, oh, there's a vibration API that I could leverage. And like, that's, that's super cool. Or like, oh, web sockets, like that's what you can do with them. It becomes really inspiring for the audience. I love that you did that. Did you have panic too, that it wasn't going to work? Cause like anytime you're on stage, like, I, I'm always like live coding and anything like that to me is just like the scariest thing. I've always avoided it. It's like have a demo and that's the way to go. Yep. Normally, yes, it, it all worked the first time. And I was more nervous about the web Bluetooth because like Bluetooth's already, yeah, it's kind of shaky as it is. I know like modern web Bluetooth, but this was a few years ago. So the standard wasn't as strong. Um, I didn't know how many web socket connections my server would support at the same time. Like I, I can't load test that. It's hard, really hard to load test web sockets. Um, so when it all came together at the end of my talk, it was just one of the best feelings in the world. And I still, that goes down as probably one of the best talks I've ever given. I think because I just like put the cherry on top at the end. That was fun. That's awesome. I like that. What about you, Ryan? I feel like I've done a variety of things like where there'll be like a lot of times I'll just create like small like helper functions or CLI tools that have just made my life easier. One that I, I just thought of the other day that I continuously use when I'm shooting photos. I am pretty anal about how I organize my photos. I shoot in raw and then if I have video or raw files, like I want them really organized. And so I literally just wrote a CLI tool uh, or script that will just like automatically organize for me. And so it just has like a couple commands that just makes my life easier, which I love. It didn't take me much to write it, probably like 20 minutes. I think I even wrote it in Node, but it was super quick and dirty, but I still use it to this day. I, I, I don't even remember when I wrote it. But one of the things that I would say I learned a ton from from various things, from like programming to um marketing to making money off of a website like just a ton of different things was one of the larger personal projects cheers Cheers. that i've done was building a graffiti and tattoo blog uh called census lost and it's it's still available or like still up uh, censuslost.com but it started to gain a lot of traffic like i was posting every day to this site this is like many many years ago before blog or maybe like blogs were just starting to be a thing but it was like before they were cool and so it was just something I started building out I learned a ton about SEO monetizing this site and just a lot of different tricks and I started to it was all built in WordPress like one of the early versions of WordPress so I knew a ton of PHP so I was writing uh, WordPress plugins things that made it a lot easier for me and then I think I published a few uh, plugins along along that too. So that one always stood out to me as a fairly large project also because it, it lasted for 
I don't know. I mean, it's still around, but like I posted on that for daily for years. Like, so it was, it was a big portion of my life. I just kept going and going and going with it. So it was kind of cool. Oh, another interesting one that I never did much with. I used it, but I never really published it anywhere. I don't know. Were you guys big users of Google reader at all? No, no, I wasn't. Sorry. (sighs) All right. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) I was really sad when Google was getting rid of Google Reader for RSS feeds. I mean, I actually, a lot of the content that I would write and everything for my blog was coming from like other RSS feeds and like, it just, you could have all this like news coming to you. Yeah. Google shutting down Reader and I'm like, oh man, what am I going to use? There was things like Feedly popping up and all these other uh, RSS readers, but they were just like over complex if if it makes sense like feedly has like all these like crazy layouts and and things i was like i just want the really like traditional crappy old looking (laughs) google reader and so i from the ground up i believe it was one of my first node projects wrote like using like node express this is before react existed so it was like i think i used like mustache templates but i built a complete rss reader where you could create your own account so you had registration you could log in and create you know basically have your own database and flag all these rss feeds it was it was really cool so i used it made it so that others could use it but i just never really i think i got it to like 95 percent, and then just never fully shipped it <laughs> the, the last 10 percent of side projects is is hard i think uh it is yeah we can talk about that a bit more later because that's I think that's the interesting thing about side projects. Well, I think it is too because you've learned some things. You're like, yeah, that's cool. Finalizing it or making it a little more polished is a little more tedious and more work. You have basically it working for you, but if you want to extend it to more people, it's like all this extra work. Or even like yeah. Augustus's point was having jQuery in there and not even using it. You're referencing it but not using it. You probably thought early on, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll just throw this in because I'll probably end up using jQuery. But then you started going on your merry way and you didn't use it. And it's like, oh, I got to go back and clean all that up and make it production ready. That's a lot of work. I think the rule is unless you start off with the intent of open sourcing whatever you're doing, like from the very beginning, it's really, really hard to like open source a personal project or something like that if you didn't, if you didn't mean to. Like, it's better to start off with like npm package and all these things, give it a name, like maybe even publish it to your own GitHub until it's ready to go. But going backwards is so much work. You're like tests and documentation. Yeah. You have to rethink the architecture and does this make sense? And then a lot of times I'm just like, not worth it. It's just not worth it. it I should have started off with this, but I didn't. So it's on GitHub. Someone really wants it, they can figure it out. That's I think it's where all my projects end up. Like ninety nine. Oh yeah, like I bet you there's a lot of junk that I have on GitHub and I'm like, yeah, whatever. I like started out there also because you've got your version control and you're just like working away. You're like, I don't really care too much, but I have it here. And then it's probably been sitting there for 10 years and you're like, this probably shouldn't be there because nobody should ever go use this. It's so deprecated, but hey, it's there. I love it too. Like Gem, you're able to look back and say, oh, right, I worked on that. Like it is, it keeps a bit of your history. When I think back to way before the days of Git or version control, there's a lot of projects that I would love to just resurface just to look at and see my own growth. Like how I'm sure I 
programmed really poorly on them but it would just be really cool to go back and look at some of these projects which i don't think i have anywhere like i don't think they're on a hard drive or cd or i don't know yeah so it'd be kind of cool to go back to like look at some some of my old flash games or applications that i built in those days i'd I'd love to go look at that that actually brings up a funny thing i thought about when i was first graduating i always thought i saw another fear i had about launching side projects on github was i felt people would judge me like because you know you turn in your resume it has your github like oh will these programmers will interviewers evaluate me based on that and and i i would say one don't think about that because no one should and two if you're someone that does that then that's totally unfair you know you don't evaluate someone based on their side projects or like their coding qualities like does this side project have tests no wow this person doesn't like unit testing or something <laughs> you it's suck like, no, at that's, that's, <laughs> yeah it's like don't don't be one of those people that does that you know that is true is like i don't necessarily look at someone's github and judge them to that detail i might look at it as more of a positive if i saw a bunch of random little projects or things yeah. like that it's like oh cool they're just like open to trying and, and doing something versus like having to be perfect and polished because yeah that is not what's on my github is like this perfect and polished repo millions of stars or anything like that might have two stars (laughs) me and like begging jammer augustus to like it and that's it but i I love your point augustus and i 100 percent agree with you i'll say one addition to that is if you have no experience like professional experience like you just finished uh boot camp or college in that case, I would have personal projects on GitHub that people should be able to judge you on. Because if you're like, hey, That's I want to work as a professional, cheers. If you say, I want to work as a professional engineer, even though I have no professional experience, you have to go off something, like some sort no, of indicator true. and a good a good suite of personal projects, I think can go a long way when you're first starting off, at least. That's really valid. That's a very good point, Jeb. Because it's like, I remember starting jobs, it was like the portfolio site. I don't know if you ever had those yeah. two or... It, it was like a lot more polished you weren't just putting up like some random thing that you'd built you're like linking out to here's this project that i've been built even if i hadn't had a job it was like really emphasizing like i did this and here's my thoughts around it so that's a very valid point is github absolutely could be that but maybe you're actually linking directly to that project like maybe you have a bunch of other random things but you're like this shows off my personal ability cheers cheers, cheers. <laughs> Totally agree. Unless you're like designers have to have portfolio project or if you say you're a UX uh, specialist, you probably have to have a portfolio because. Oh, yeah. It's one of the ways people judge you like very quickly is like, okay, we like this designer. We don't. We like the way they design UX. We don't. So it's a little bit different world for if you're that side of front end development. But for engineering, I think it's okay. Yeah, it's valid. I think, yeah, designers typically have a little more polished portfolios now my website is like zero nothing (laughs) like i I can't remember the last time i had a portfolio site that was like look at all the work i've done i know i've had them at various points of my career but it is not something that if i was finding a new job today it's not something that i would even bother with same i I have like other bodies of work that are more apparent than like what i've done on github speaking of personal websites when is the last time you two updated your personal website when i changed jobs just to change one <laughs> just, icon. To change just that title. change <laughs> name or 
Yeah. That's a good question. I feel like it's probably on GitHub, so I could check. But it's probably... I think it's been within a year or two just because I I feel like I didn't like the photo or something. I think I changed it. That was about it. I'm, lo- I'm looking right now. I'm looking at RyanBurgess.com. <laughs> Not a lot going on here. Super exciting, man. <laughs> uh, hilariously, <laughs> I touched mine uh, in January also to update my profile pic. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. We we care about, we've changed what we look like, so. I, I will say your personal website is a great place to just do whatever you want. And sure. I, I mean, sure, it, like, represents you and make it make it clean, but, like, definitely, like, feel free to go wild on it. Like, I've never played with 3JS. That was, like, something I got super into. Like, WebGL, I was like, wow, 3D is the future. So, that was, like, the theme of my website. I don't know if it's actually good, but... Wait, I'm checking out your website right now. I guess this... Oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah, man. This is way better than mine. <laughs> this is awesome. This is way better than mine, too. Man, I guess this is way to, way to make us look bad. Oh, and it randomly Dude, accelerates. Can I, can I just, like, fork this and, like, totally steal it? Yeah, sure. I like it. And honestly, like, it's cool because doing some of the 3JS stuff, I learned a lot of performance optimization stuff. I coded this initially so poorly, I could only have a few cubes flowing around before things like went before my cpu fans started going crazy and it turns out that i was like doing so many things inefficiently <laughs> in three see that's so plan. cool you're learning even things that will apply to your day-to-day job of like and because performance matters in pretty much everything you're doing so that's awesome i have to ask here augustus what's the uh the count numbers out Ooh. the people visiting your site uh are you talking about the game remote? yeah yeah so i i was just like I don't know. I was kind of like, wow, I'm joining a Twitch and I'm into games. I should have like some mini game. I wanted like some mini game. And so yeah. the way it works is if you hover over the cubes, they they like blow up a little. And it just is like if you, as you hover more over them, it creates a count and sees how many you can like keep hovered or something. I don't know. That's I awesome. I love it. Around. And if you get to 100, uh, there's like secret. I, I just I just try to litter Easter eggs everywhere, but if you get to a hundred, something nice happens. I'm close to a hundred, by the way. <laughs> we're we're on Augustus.dev for anybody listening. Yes, yes. This go check it out. Podcast. This is pretty cool. So I I'm interested. I think some of the things that we've said probably fit into this, but what keeps you motivated or interested to do a side project like clearly learning has come up a lot but what are other things that that get you motivated like when we talk about motivations it's i'll say i don't do side projects much anymore if at all like a lot of my work goes into like doing the podcast or giving a talk or like giving a presentation or maybe doing a hack day or something like that I'm not as big in the side projects anymore uh and i think part of that is the motivation isn't there. So my motivation from for starting side projects was always, um, can it be done? Like, can I do it? Like Augustus, you were saying you want to mess with 3JS and animations. That's a great, that's a great reason to build something out. You say like, oh, can I figure this out? Can I learn something new? And I, I guess the problem with getting more senior is I know I can. Like if I spend enough time, I know I can solve like a lot of these problems that I want to do, and anything else that would I couldn't solve immediately would probably not be a side project anymore. It'd probably be a real project, like something much more involved that I just wouldn't feel like tackling. And that's that's kind of the weird limbo 
I think a lot of us get into as we work into like corporate and things like that is we know we can do these things. So we just don't bother anymore, which is kind of sad in, in some ways, but I guess the natural evolution of things. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like a lot of the side projects I've worked on generally genuinely stem from I want to learn this new technology. What is something that I wanted to do that kind of fits together with this? And then I can apply it. So it kind of for- gives me a forcing reason to learn said technology. I feel nowadays, I, I don't have as many side projects, but I-, I have ideas of side projects, which I'll be honest, I have done absolutely nothing <laughs> recently. <laughs> but I- I- they're still like, I want to pursue these at one point. Those, I feel more recently, and this is probably kind of what you were saying, Jim, as I've become more senior, it's less of was the technology that I want to learn to solve these problems. It's the actual problem itself. I agree with both of you, especially on trying to learn something is that's usually like the starter. It's like, this can be done. I'm, I'm going to go and solve this and figure that out. I think going back to it too, to what motivates me usually is I just want to getting back to like creating some tool or something or a library. If I can make my life easier, that's what I'm creating it for. And so I find those are the types of things that, and I wouldn't, I don't even know if I would call them a side project. Maybe sometimes it might be, I'm taking 30 minutes to create it. But when I have done side projects, I typically have to be either learning something. And even then I have to be really passionate about what I'm creating. So even thinking of the subject matter of creating a blog or application it's something that I had to, when I did it, it was like, I mean, I still love tattoos and graffiti. And so like that was really motivating to me is like, I'm passionate about that subject and it, it kept me going and wanting to keep going and building and learning. But I think if you're just forcing it, it you, you fizzle really quickly. Yeah. Do you guys think that part of it is that working for larger companies, you see that learning new technology for the sake of learning new technology is not necessarily the most beneficial thing to your career anymore. Because when you're first starting out, you don't really know where you're going to end up. So it's actually better to say like, oh, I've got a little bit of experience in Ember and a little bit in jQuery and Python. Like you touch a little bit of everything because you don't really know where you want to end up and what you want to do. But as you work in larger engineering organizations, you say like, well, learning flow or like changing my code base to flow isn't necessarily the most useful thing for me to learn right now. It's maybe organizational skills or how to speak in meetings or like things that aren't necessarily technology related. That's an observation I've had like uh, pretty, pretty recently. Yeah. I think you're more, you're being more specialized. The more senior you are, you're like, I'm owning this. This is the area that I've become very passionate about. Maybe it is a typical language or maybe it is a framework, but you're really deep on that area. And so maybe some side projects pop up out of that. But I agree with you there, Gem, is like when I think of things that I want to improve on, communication is always the top of my list because I think it's important in anything you do. And the more senior you are, you have to communicate ideas really efficient. And like, if you're telling five other engineers that you're working with, like you want that idea to be very clear and concise. There's an art to that, whether it be verbal or written. So I love that you said that. Yeah, it's actually shocking how relatable this is. So something I've been trying to improve on at Twitch is my writing because Amazon and Twitch has a pretty strong writing culture where when you want to propose something, when you want to integrate with another service, 
you have to have a write-up of here are the changes that you're going to be making, what's the expected TPS that this service is going to be making to this service, et cetera, et cetera. There's all these things that you have to write out so it's very clear. And you have to you have to write in such a way that anybody without any context can get a pretty good understanding of what's going on. At Netflix, we do a lot of writing too. Like I feel like anytime that we're, you have an idea or you want to make some change, a lot of it is the best way to communicate it is putting it in just like Google Doc and, and circulating that and getting people to comment on that. So yeah, written and verbal is key. I know that maybe that's your side project is like, how do you get better at that? <laughs> it, it makes me sad though, because there's so much cool technology out there that I'm like, oh, I'd love to learn a bit of machine learning or, oh yeah, I don't know, something to do with computer vision and webcams and I was like, oh, I could build so many cool side projects. And then I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could do that. I could spend all this time, but it doesn't really do anything other than satisfy my own curiosity. And at this stage in life, I, there are more interesting things I'd rather be doing, which kind of makes me sad to like see that. But it's also true. I, I think it's just part of being an adult is you or growing up, you just don't have time to, to dabble as much anymore well i think it depends too is like i agree with you is the time everything's a time commitment and everything's a trade-off as especially you have more responsibilities as you get older and and that absolutely limits your free time to do a lot of these things gem you have mentioned and obviously all of us are doing this but like a lot of our time goes into the podcast like we're we're on a podcast like that takes work that takes planning even just spending an hour recording and talking about whatever it is we're talking about. And so that is like something that we've continually done. That is a side project. No one's paying us to do that. I think of people like Sarah Drasner comes to mind where she is very passionate about creating art with code. She just creates these amazing code pens that are super inspiring to the community. And it might just be some like really fun thing that she's just created and, and is all right, cool, created that onto the next thing. And I think things like that to me are maybe you just don't do as many things, but you, you find something that you're like, oh, I, I'm giving back to the community or I'm inspiring others. or I'm just, this is really relaxing for me to do. And I enjoy it. So maybe it's just that you don't do as many things. You're not investigating all, all the latest and greatest technologies. That could be someone's niche that they're like, I love that. I want to keep doing that. But I think it's just you start to narrow focus on what you're doing. Well, well that makes sense. No, that, that's okay. very well put because it reminds me of our friend uh, Harry Wolf at uh, Mongo in New York. He's like king of investigating like all the new technologies, something new. He's on it. And he's he's as senior as any of us. And he still does that because that's what he's really into. And personally, I think it's important to always find that person at a company and like be friends with them because they always know the latest and greatest. And they'll be like, oh yeah, just read this blog post. And I've learned a ton just from being around those type of people. But I'll say like, while we don't do side projects as much anymore, I read a lot more about technology. Like I read a lot more different people's blog posts. I just try to absorb as much as I can. Like how does Kubernetes work? And how does its relation to Docker? It has nothing to do with my day-to-day job, but I still read about it just so I'm moderately informed about things like that but yeah it's not the same as hands-on i don't know i don't know how i feel about but that. there again i love that you brought up harry's point too he's passionate for that you know what i mean like there goes back what motivates people is passion he's passionate about digging into that and like i mean i still love new technology but it, it doesn't necessarily fall at the top of my like passion list it's in there but it's like with all the constraints of other things eating at my time, it didn't bubble up to like the point where I'm like, I can fit that in there. And so I think that's where it kind of comes with the life, you know, changing and 
you just have to trade off where you're spending your time. That, that was well put. I mean, I guess we could stop the podcast and spend more time digging in. Um, but I feel like some people might actually be upset. You know, that's the thing is like, I enjoy this because one, I enjoy talking to follow you, but also people oh. seem to get benefits from listening to us talk about nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I am curious though, if you were to start a new project today, like you, you've just miraculously found a bunch of time. How do you start a new project? You know, what are the best ways to start? Like I know, Jem, you said like just throw in a script tag and start going, but are there certain tools or things that help you get started? So I, I will say it depends on what you're trying to start. So I mentioned how I have some ideas of things that I want to eventually do, but I've made absolutely zero progress. Uh, one, one of the one of the things is like a VS Code extension. And so for me, it would just be starting like not only looking at how do I build a VS Code extension, but I, what I like to do is actually look at other projects like existing projects, like what are some existing VS Code extensions that are open source and out in the wild? And I can learn a lot about what other people do, um, how they handle certain things, and just absorbing. I, I found code reviewing and just looking at code, learning other people's patterns and styles is like has helped me a lot. So that that's where I would start. I'll second that for, I know I've done that with Chrome extensions. I remember the first time I wrote a Chrome yeah. extension, I was like, how do I even do that? And there's pretty good documentation on it. But I remember just looking at a couple of repos and there's, there is some different unique styles on how to do it properly, even depending on what you're trying to achieve with the Chrome extension. So I thought that that's a great idea. I like, uh, I, you know, I was, I was saying people shouldn't over-engineer their personal projects with create react apps, things like that. That said, Things like Create React App or basic starter kits are really useful if you're like, I want to build a web page and it has interactive functionality and I don't want to spend too much brain power on it. If I use one of these apps, it'll put it together for me and it just gives me like the boilerplate just to get things started. Those are pretty useful. Um, what I like to do often is I clone one of my old projects that has a, like a good baseline is because I know all the code. I commented yep. it. I, I wrote it. I know it's simple and I know it works and there's nothing too complex about it. But in terms of where I'd be if I wanted to get started on a personal project, cheers. Cheers. The first thing to do is like always create a GitHub repo. It's just the first thing I always do. And then put a readme and put a title and from there you can go anywhere. But that's that's how I start every project. I, I, I kind of wanted a second. Just getting started is sometimes the biggest hump for a lot of people. And even if you just start with a, a markdown readme that has links to articles of things you've looked at to help you get started that's has been like super helpful for me too all right so you both mentioned well i know augustus mentioned he has like ideas to create a visual code plugin before we go into pics like what are some future projects if you had so much time on your hands what is it like one thing that you would love to be creating so i'll say this uh guiltily is guiltily a word i don't think guiltily is a word. <laughs> uh, it is now <laughs> It is now. Sorry, I'm a podcast. Uh, so I just came off paternity leave uh, not too long ago. But one of my goals on paternity leave was I said, I'm going to redo my website. I'm going to redo gemyoung.com. I built it like seven years ago. And it's totally over-engineered. It's like I got a, my own web server, which I don't even really need. It's like way over-provisioned. Running Nginx with, a, with like a pretty hefty cache in front of it for no reason. It's not like I'm getting a lot of traffic. Uh, running Python with Flask and Jinja templates and a fast CGI connection. Like, 
it is as over-engineered for a one-page site as you can be. And I said, over the break, I'm going to redo my personal site. And I did not. <laughs> it's like the most basic thing. It's literally one page. And I still didn't manage to get the motivation to, to redo it. So if I, if I had a personal ambitious project, it would be to actually re, reconfigure my entire website to be much simpler. I like that. What about you, Ryan? Probably similar vein. I think my website sucks. I like your website. It's minimalist. There's things that I always want to do, whether it be like uh, maybe like completely overhauling the front end happy hour website, or I would love to do more something with hardware, like getting into more like building my own like software to hardware. There's like a lot of things, maybe not one thing in particular. It's just like things that I'm like ex- get excited about and want to dig into. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, when I have time and that just never happens. Augustus. Uh, yeah, I have a few. I mean, I have a few. I, I can talk about some of them. Um, one of them is front end happy hour related. Uh, and I, I think I've talked to Ryan about it sometimes uh, where, you know, we have a lot of podcasts and a lot of people talk to us about why don't we transcribe our podcasts and you know it's it's tedious it's expensive um or is it dun 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 nah. uh so i the thing i've been looking into is there's a lot of cloud solutions now so gcp google cloud uh aws and even azure they offer uh cloud transcription software tools where you can upload an audio file and then they will run some audio model that can transcribe the text from that audio file um there's a lot that goes into that i guess which we we were able to get something working for like one episode on google cloud and there's like a lot of interesting nuances that i didn't know for example uh, you have to upload the audio file to google cloud storage for it to transcribe it and stuff Uh, there's all these like little interesting nuances um so that's like one side project that i'd love to explore if i had or time uh, <laughs> the vs code extension one i guess i can talk about it which is basically i i've always been into education i think education so really everybody learns differently and what helped me learn programming a lot more was uh when we were learning java there's a special ide called jgrasp um, which is an ide that is definitely i think not ideal for enterprise building applications but what it has is when you debug uh, it creates a visual so i think they have somehow imported all the different java data structs and they have associated visuals so when you debug let's say a binary tree or a hash table they have visuals so that when you put a debug breakpoint you can see a visual of a tree and let's say the pointer was pointing at one node the root node it would highlight that node and it makes it very, very good for teaching algorithms, for example. So, like, if you wanted to learn breadth for search or depth for search, uh, the instructor can literally put the algorithm in a Java program and then step through it with the debugger. And you could see in real, through the debugger, like, visuals of what node it's looking at, what's going on. And I think that would be just a very useful thing to have in general in JavaScript and VS Code. Um, but, yeah, I have not gotten around to it at all <laughs> actually i think i saw someone experience I, I i think more recently this came up because i saw someone do something similar 
So I've been meaning to look into it, but yeah. Or what you need to do now, Augustus, is just create the oh, GitHub repo no. and <laughs> tell everyone to go and start building for you. Yes, yes. Here's my vision. Go, my minions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, move into picks. Each episode, we love to share things that are we found interesting, want to share with you all listening. Jem, you want to start it off? Yeah, I only have one pick. You know, I, you'd think I'd have more picks because I have nothing to do, but I'm at home doing Are you nothing. seriously, you have nothing to do? You have a newborn. <laughs> I know. Man, <laughs> best for my pick is babies. And they're a lot of work. They're a lot more work than you think. Uh but my one pick is a blog post by uh, Stanislav Mianchenkov. Yeah, it's close enough. Uh, but it's it's called uh, Cognitive Biases in Software Development. And this is something I increasingly get into as I uh, get more experience. Is just I think about the theory of coding. Uh, not, not in terms of CS principles, but in terms of how do humans, how do we as humans think about coding and how do we organize coding and structure and how do we explain that to a team of 100, 200, 500 people. Um, But this one's about like the bias we have as engineers. We have lots of biases, like we don't even realize it, but we have lots of biases. But one of them is that the the not built here syndrome. I'm sure you've all experienced that where, hey, we need a software solution. All right, let's build it rather than let's Uh, use somebody else's. And there's always somebody who's like, yeah, we could use this, but... If we build it ourselves, it'll have this one feature. And it's something that is very uh, unique, I think, as software engineers, that we just we always want to build something on our own. Even if there's a well-developed solution, we always want to build it. Um, and what this person is talking about is the fact that like anytime we come into old code, we always think, this code is terrible. Like, why do they do this? I can't believe they made these architecture decisions. Uh, this code doesn't make any sense. This part's useless. This library is not even being used anymore. And all these things. And like, we're so critical of especially legacy code, but the point they make, and I love, and this is a broader discussion, but they're like, but the person who wrote that code, the people that wrote the code were as thoughtful as you were about your code. And there's a reason they did everything. And you just have a bias against that. You don't want to admit that they also put thought into their architecture and their code and, the way they structure their algorithms and things like that. But like as engineers, we never think that like ever, we always go in there and like, this is wrong. This is wrong. I wouldn't have done it this way. I wouldn't have done it this way. And it's just a challenge to rethink that and think, Hey, if there's like a weird bit of code, you don't understand. It doesn't mean it's bad code. It just means you don't understand it. But there's a reason like somebody took the time to write that and it is meaningful. And if you just delete it, that's how you break stuff. Uh, it It's the whole thing is fascinating. And, and these questions are such that like, they look like a category of problem you've seen before, like basic word problems, but they're not. They're more cognitive problems. And it's really deceptive and it's easy to fall into that trap. And and that's the, I know this is my one pick, but that's the whole point of these sort of cognitive exercises is that we're so tempted as engineers to say like, oh, here's a problem. I've seen it before. Oh, wait, this solution doesn't look like the solution I had in my head. That solution is incorrect. But really what we need to do is say like, okay, what is the information we're being presented with? Okay, how does that differ from the information that's in my head? Why is why is their solution different from mine? Rather than just saying like everything they did was wrong and I'm going to rewrite it, it's it's a different way of thinking about software that I find fascinating because 
these are not problems I've run into before, like this sort of thinking. So that's my pick. A little long. Augustus, what do you have? Ooh, I also have one. But uh, I, can, can I just piggyback off of what Jem said real quick? That I 100% agree. I, I have experienced that a lot where I've seen people look at legacy code that maybe I didn't write, but I knew the engineer. And, you know, I really respected them. And they said, man, this guy didn't know what he was doing at all. Like, it's just like, uh, nope, you were just not here. Uh, but I think one thing that helps a lot is people who write very detailed commit messages and link tickets because those tickets have a lot of context. And that has helped a lot to help solve that problem. It doesn't always solve it, of course, because people generally will just look at it and be like, oh, this is garbage. <laughs> Well, and it, it's garbage today, right? Like, yeah, it, like exactly. I'll look back on my own code even months ago, even in our community. Like I think back to like when React was first adopted, the, the community has shifted a lot. When React That's first so shipped, there was, there was no flux. And then we went through, now it's like Redux is the thing. It's like we've gone through this scenario of we've learned as a community and things have changed, but that doesn't mean that everyone's code base is going to be the latest and greatest. And so given that time and some of the trade-offs or even just the like the way of doing it has now changed. And so, yeah, you can, I mean, I pick at code doing that too. I pick at my own code. I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? But in that moment, that's what I was thinking. And it was probably legit fine what I was doing, but now it's like a year later or six months or a month and it, it doesn't feel like it was a good idea. Like things change. All right, I guess what do you, what picks? Yeah. <laughs> I also only have one pick today, you know, I just, yeah, I should have more time, but, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, my pick is a website called broken picture phone. Um, so it's a little jank UI wise. Um, that's my constructive feedback to the creator, but I will say, uh, when I was in college, there's a game that we played called telephone Pictionary. Uh, do, do you two know this game? No. Okay. So uh, take the game Pictionary. So Pictionary is a game where you're given some word and you have to draw it and then people have to guess what that word was. And take the telephone game where you have a word that starts and you, you tell people along the line. And then it's a, very, it's a very childish game where like by the end, it's not the same word and everyone's like, ha ha, it changed or something. This game kind of combines them where you start off with a word and you give it to the next person next person draws it and then the person after has to guess the word that that was drawn and you get these <laughs> hilarious you get these hilarious books of people who like it starts with like tomato and then maybe it'll end up as like apple riding a horse or something it's just hilarious uh, so somebody made an online version of this game that I, I i loved playing this game with my college friends and um it's it's not the cleanest UI, but it works. Uh, I played with some friends recently. And it was really fun. So Nice. I like the concept. That's really cool. So it's funny. Each have one pick. I'm coming out with three picks. Ooh. So one or the first couple where I was trying to get a bit creative in, in our world of being in, in COVID-19, people I've seen this cutting their own hair. I've seen this like pop up a lot <laughs> online and, uh, it, it always reminded me, I don't know if you all remember the, um, there was this vacuum thing back in like, maybe it was like the late 80s, maybe early 90s. It was called the Flowbee. And it was this <laughs> like that. thing that like, 
you attached uh, onto your vacuum and it cuts your hair, which like kind of sounds like a cool concept because it's like the hair is like, you know, you don't have to clean up the mess. Well, there is a uh, hair clipper that does have essentially a little vacuum built into it. And it works really, really well. I do have it. And it's a regular clipper, but it has this like little built-in thing that's catching the hair and just kind of adding a little bit of suction to catch it. So it is a less mess. So if you're wanting to, you know, shave your own head or try and do your own haircut <laughs> because we don't have hairdressers right now, this might be a good investment from a good Amazon purchase. <laughs> then another thing that I've seen people uh, dealing with a lot uh, I mean, I think Wi-Fi is always a, could be a pain point in your house with people doing more work from home or working remote, spending a lot more time on the internet is people are dealing with connectivity issues with their Wi-Fi. I've used this years ago and from time to time when I've set up new Wi-Fi, I used it again, but it's a app called NetSpot which really helps you, it maps your Wi-Fi throughout the house and, and shows you the signal strengths. Um, it works really well. You can kind of just walk around your house checking different points of where the Wi-Fi is good. And so you can make adjustments to where your router is. If you have a mesh uh, point, you can move that around. Little things like that that could actually help make your signal be a lot better. Maybe you want to work outside. Maybe you want better signal going outside. You can you know figure that out too. And then I always seem to pick Netflix originals. This is going to be a time where I didn't, but guess what? I am. I binge watched it fairly quickly too, uh, but I started watching Black AF. The show's hilarious. It's the about the writer created Blackish, the ABC show. It's kind of like a mockumentary type of his life and his family together. It's just like really, really funny. I don't even know how to really describe it. It's really unique how they shoot it. And it's, it's not real. Like it's, it's completely like a fake documentary, but it, it's super inter- interesting. I think it's well worth the watch. All right. So that's the end of our podcast today, but uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to today's episode. You can find us at frontendhappyhour.com. Subscribe to us on whatever you like to listen to your podcasts on. And you can also follow us on Twitter at FrontendHH. Any last words from Augustus and Jem? I like how the show is only three of us and we still went like a lot longer. (laughs) I know usually you would think it would go shorter, but we just kept going. Are we just lonely or are we just really good friends? All All the above. (laughs) 